0: Welcome to the Do What You Love podcast, a podcast with a mixture of personal development and career advice to help you reach your full potential. Now over to your host, life purpose champion, Amanda Heal. Hello and welcome to the Do What You Love podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Heal. In this episode, I am going to continue reading the abridged version of my book, Seeing by vision, not by sight. And this episode will be the first part in Chapter 2 called Examining Your Present. In Chapter 1, I discussed the meaning of purpose and how different people discover their life's purpose. I outlined the three steps that I believe you need to take in order to discover your life's purpose, which are to examine your present, examine your past and examine your passions and dreams. In this chapter, I will deal with the first of these steps, examining your present. Why do you need to examine your present? Examining your present is vital because it shows you where you are, much like the you are here arrow on a map. Like navigating with a map or GPS, you need to know where you are before you can work out how to get to where you want to go. Examining your present also gives you an idea of how you might like to live out your purpose, as you can determine what is working for you now and what is not. Examining your present can reveal a lot about you. It is an opportunity to get to know yourself extremely well and can give you a chance to take stock of what you have and what you might be lacking. I've had to examine my present a number of times over the years, mainly because I didn't know what I was doing and didn't have the benefit of a structured process like the one set out in this book. The first examination of my present was thorough, but I was only looking at my present from the perspective of someone who was about to lose their job. I was not examining my present from the wider perspective of someone who is searching for their life's purpose. You might find that you may need to return to examining your present while you are refining how to live out your life's purpose. But if you do this process thoroughly the first time, your subsequent examinations will be much easier as you will only need to look at what has changed since you examined your present for the first time. What is working and what is not? When first looking seriously at my present, I was about to lose a job that I hadn't enjoyed for years. I knew that I wanted to do something different but didn't know what. There were some things I did know, though. The parts of my job I enjoyed most involved helping people find solutions to problems. I enjoyed writing, and my supervisors had told me that I wrote well. Also, I enjoyed giving training and presentations to my colleagues. I knew that I had not been happy in my job for a couple of years, and then I felt undervalued and unappreciated by my supervisors and clients. Most importantly, I no longer felt that what I was doing was making a difference. In 2013 and 2014, the Commonwealth Public Service made cuts to many government departments. Many agencies made large numbers of employees redundant. A job freeze, too, meant no new jobs were being created and no one could apply for promotion. During this time, people asked me if I was afraid of losing my job. I laughed and said, the government will always need legislative drafters. Besides, I'm a lawyer, I'm a union delegate and a woman with a disability. They wouldn't dare. How wrong I was. In late 2013, management advised my drafting area that half of us would lose our jobs and that all legislative drafters would have to apply for their jobs. I'm usually the sort of person who deals with a crisis by talking to others about it. But I was so shocked by the announcement that all I could do was sit in my office and sip water. I didn't want to talk to anyone as I was afraid I would cry and the desire to cry increased when I heard someone else burst into tears in the corridor outside my office. After the initial few minutes of shock passed, my mind started filling with questions. Why should I have to apply for a job that I won on merit seven years ago? What happens if I can't keep my job? Should I take a package or apply for another job? What happens if I can't get another job? How on earth will I pay the mortgage without a job? As these questions filled my mind, fear set in. I was brought up to believe that a job in the Australian Public Service was a job for life and that I would always have job security. I felt as if the rug was being pulled out from under my feet and I didn't know what to do. Soon, the work day was over, and I went home. It was then, alone in my house, that the tears came, and the fear of the unknown overwhelmed me. I'm certainly not someone who can pluck scriptures out of the air, word perfect, complete with correct Bible reference. I wish I was. I'm more likely to say, I think there's a scripture somewhere in the Bible that says, something like, dot, dot, dot. So I was surprised when, in the midst of my tears, The reference, Jeremiah 29.11, popped into my head. I looked it up and the first thing that surprised me was that the reference was correct. The second thing that surprised me was that the words I read were relevant to my situation. For those unfamiliar with this particular scripture, it refers to God having plans for us for good, which are plans for hope and a future. Then something even stranger happened. An almost audible voice in my head said, I have a job for you. I should also say that, back then I wasn't someone who heard from God very often. Skeptics may say that this was wishful thinking. However, both the Bible reference and the words were completely unexpected and were unsought because I was still in shock. I found that they gave me instant comfort and I was able to visit my family and let them know what had happened without any further tears. Soon after that, I went through the process of reapplying for my job. It became one of the hardest job application processes I had ever endured. I still had the sense of entitlement to my job, so it was almost impossible for me to put my whole heart and soul into writing the application, which was the only way that I had been successful in applying for jobs in the past. The written application that I submitted and my interview were not as good as they could have been. Needless to say, I was not successful in keeping my job. Shortly after Christmas, a friend contacted me to say that she was holding a business launch. On the day before the launch, management announced that they would offer redundancies to those who had been unsuccessful in keeping their jobs. This threw me into another bout of feeling miserable and rejected. The next day, I decided to attend the launch so that I could get some champagne and sympathy I got the champagne and sympathy that I had needed and was also able to support and congratulate my friend on the launch of her new business. It turned out that the business was with a network marketing company that sold beautiful, natural, anti-ageing skincare products for the face and body. I was not new to network marketing as I had worked for another network marketing business for a year or so a long time ago. I listened to the presentation with interest and even tried some of the products. I decided very early on in the launch that I wasn't going to buy anything because I was happy with my current skincare regime. But after I tried the products, I changed my mind. They felt beautiful on my skin and smelled great. A thought flashed through my mind. Perhaps starting a business of this type could be an alternative to waiting out the redeployment period. I quickly put this thought aside though as my parents had always told me that remaining in government employment was the best option for me. If I started a network marketing business, it would be a hobby, just as my previous network marketing business had been. I asked the consultant who ran my friend's launch to give me a week to decide what I would do, and I went home with a sample pack of skincare products. The evening was warm, so when I got home, I took my phone and a glass of wine out onto the deck to think about what had happened during the business launch. As I sat there, I experienced a flash of realisation. Perhaps staying in the APS wasn't the only opportunity for me. With a job freeze on, there was no guarantee that I would get a job that I liked, or even a job at all. Maybe there was a slim chance that I could do something outside of government. I googled the phrase what do I do when I lose my job? Immediately an article came up about a woman who had lost her job and the process that she went through to decide what she wanted to do. After a year of searching she started a business and was doing well. Perhaps I could do that too What what sort of business? Would it be network marketing or something else? I thought back to the time that I had met and spent quite a bit of time with a handful of successful business people. I remember admiring them for their achievements and wishing for that freedom and lifestyle for myself. Since meeting them, I had secretly wanted to run my own business but had never allowed myself to think seriously about it because I had a good, stable job in the APS. Finally, I allowed myself to to wonder whether perhaps I should leave the APS and run a business. I felt I shouldn't limit myself to network marketing, but should look at other business alternatives. In the next episode, I will continue with Chapter 2. Now, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Do What You Love podcast. Until next time, have a great day and do what you love. You've been listening to the Do What You Love podcast with Amanda Heal. Feeling unfulfilled and frustrated and unclear what to do next? Access Amanda's Are You Living Out Your Purpose, Quiz and Resources to get you started on your journey to doing what you love at www.purposevisionfuture.com That's purposevisionfuture.com